You came. You're here. So happy to see you. It's always an exciting moment, the the beginning of a retreat, Uh, whether you this is your first retreat or your 20th retreat. Uh, It's always exciting. Uh, And we're all so happy to be here uh, with you. Uh, I want to first introduce the team, um, and then I'll say some words, and everybody, you'll have a chance to hear from from everyone uh, if we haven't met before. My name is James Barres, um, and um, one of the teachers here at Spirit Rock. Um, been here since the beginning, and uh, been doing this retreat, uh, this Labor Day retreat for uh, many years, uh, along with two of our team, uh, Howie and and Terry. And uh, it's so wonderful to have uh, some fresh fresh energy here uh, with friends who uh, I I enjoy being with. Uh, So I'll just introduce the team. This is uh, Eve Decker, um, who I know her well, but I I wrote down things about each person just to kind of make sure. I get it. Eve is um, co-teacher with me at Insight Meditation uh, Community of Berkeley, um, and she's assisted on a number of retreats before, taught co-taught retreats here at Spirit Rock and at other places. Um, and she, um, besides being a, a really wise, uh, uh, wonderful uh, teacher, she is... Um, a lot of her dharma comes through music. She has a number of CDs. She was a very part of a very popular group, if you've been in the Bay Area for some time, Rebecca Riots. Um, but she's also uh, done a number of uh, great, um, brilliant dharma CDs. And she, besides uh, sitting in on uh, some of the groups and offering uh, one-to-ones and some teaching, uh, she'll also be sharing some, uh, some dharma through music as well. And uh, it's really exciting for me to have, have that element here because um, I love her music and uh, it's really good. So welcome. Over here, my old buddy Howie Cohn. We've been doing this for 30 plus years at least. Um, and uh, yeah, we go back away. So 1979, three-month retreat is what I remember. And, uh, and we still enjoy being together and, uh, and teaching together. It's such a pleasure. And Howie runs, uh, uh, is the teacher for Mission Dharma in San Francisco, uh, teaches all around the country and uh, uh, internationally, um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It would be really weird to do this Labor Day retreat without you. So uh, I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> I don't even think about it. <laughs> um, 
to Howie's right is uh, Tawari Salah, who um, is uh, a very important person here at Spirit Rock, in case you wonder who are the really important people. She's one of them. Tawari is the, the co-guiding teacher for Spirit Rock, along with John Martin, who help us hold the vision and um, and direction and uh, they're on all the important decisions and it means a whole lot of meetings uh, besides uh, being just a really, uh, I, I've, Tawari and I have, have taught on February month long and, and other times and she's, she's a, a prosecuting attorney for 25 years, one of the few prosecuting attorneys that have a whole lot of heart as well as a whole lot of wisdom. Uh, so, uh, and she's based in Seattle and teaches all around, uh, all around the country and, and Canada. And it's just a real pleasure to, to have you here and be part of the team. Uh, and at the end is uh, Terry Vandiver, another uh, member of the team for 25 plus years at least. And, uh, teaching yoga and movement and, um, and her, her practice comes through her, her movement, uh, which is, you know, um, deep embodiment of, uh, of the, the Dharma practice. And she'll be leading, uh, movement sessions, uh, twice, a couple of times, uh, uh, each day for half the group, uh, that can go to each one. And, um, she, uh, Terry lives at Upaya these days, which is uh, Joan Halifax's center in New Mexico. Uh, yeah, and uh, she's so skillful at, at, at bringing the practice to, uh, to the yoga movement and mindful movement. So I, I know you'll really enjoy her presence. Um, so that's us. And I want to welcome all of you here. Uh, everyone is here. Uh, because uh, you belong here. Uh, there are people, for many, this is their first retreat, so excited that we get to greet you and welcome you to the Spirit, spirit Rock and Dharma practice in, in this way. Uh, there are a number of people who've done many retreats here, and um, so glad you're coming back here with your grounded practice that can help us all ride your um, your understanding and 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 depth of practice. Uh, everyone belongs here, new, experienced, uh, whatever ethnic group, um, age, uh, gender or non-gender. Um, all backgrounds, um, too numerous to name, we're all uh, welcome. You are welcome and you belong and you're part of this community. So um, so glad to, uh, to be able to welcome you. Um, and I'll, I'll say just, I'll say a few words and then uh, hand it off to others and uh, they can add their, their pieces. <clears throat> so here we are starting this journey together. And as I said a moment ago, it's exciting where it's a, 
a journey um, really into the unknown. How could it be known? Uh, because you can't go to the future yet. The idea is to stay here in the present, but we are embarking on something really um, profound and um, um, deeply meaningful um, together. Just helping each other wake up together, be more conscious, be more kind, be more compassionate towards this being in here and towards everyone around. Um, and uh, it's very different than if you were sitting at home, if you have a meditation practice and you're sitting at home, you, you know, it's easy to feel the power of all of us, 90 plus, almost 100 people, um, with the intention to be present for our lives. Wow. Just think of all the confluence of events that had to happen to bring you here, people at home, your work, or your families, or your, your life, what had to happen for you to get here, and all everything that supported you coming in here. And for us all to be here together, that's amazingly good karma. The, the Buddha in his discourse on the blessings, the Mangala Sutta, he says, to hear the Dharma um, and be with spiritual people, this is a blessing supreme. And then he goes on to say, to practice the Dharma, to have circumstances that enable us to practice. This is a real blessing supreme. So as I'm talking, I just uh, invite us all just to reflect for a, a moment on your good karma, our good karma, everything that got you here from the time you said, oh, I think I might want to do that retreat to this moment right now. And just feel the blessing of life supporting you. That would create the conditions and the circumstance and the inclination you to be here as part of this community. So here we are, we made it. And a few things that I find helpful to keep in mind. One is, you can't fail this retreat. You can't do it wrong. Because you will get just the retreat that you need. It's funny how life works out that way. Oh, you need 
some patience. Oh, let's try this on for size. You know. Oh, you want to learn contentment? Okay, try this moment. Oh, you want to experience um, relating wisely to the moment? Here, try this one. So the way it works is, it's not so much what's happening out there, it's how can I learn to have a wise relationship to whatever is happening? And that's the key. So there's no doing it wrong uh, because it's just meeting each moment um, with kindness, with grace, with some, hopefully some spaciousness, um, learning how to, um, how to meet each moment of life. And it's not so much that you're trying to make something uh, uh, magnificent happen or have a great meditation or have a, a retreat that you can go home and tell your friends, wow. Um, I mean, that's nice if that happens, of course. But this is about being here. There will be highs, probably, of just feeling at ease, feeling, oh, I don't have to do anything. I don't have any other obligations other than to just be with myself. How wonderful. Oh, look at life all around me. There will be moments of probably connection and, and peace and um, appreciation for the moment. And there'll probably be challenging moments too, whether you're, it's sleepiness or restlessness or um, thoughts or emotions that come up, all part of being human. And so the idea isn't to get to some kind of magical place, but to just learn to be here for the ride. And as you learn that here on this retreat, then you learn more and more, oh, I can be here for the ride when I go home in my life, as you will likely have some ups and downs there too. Um, so you can't do it wrong. There's no failing. And so all you need to do is let go of any agenda that you might have and just show up. That's it. Just show up. Oh, what is this moment about? How can I meet this moment with kindness? What's needed in this moment to have some balance so I'm not contracted with aversion, not grasping if it's a pleasant moment, but just find a, a relaxed, interested, kind awareness uh, in whatever the circumstances are. So to let go of your agenda and to just show up, ah, what a relief. <clears throat> you come in here probably with some kind of ideas of what the retreat might be like. Um, that's natural. But as I said, you don't know. The one ingredient or the one, the one thing that you can bring to the retreat that really is everything is um, a sincerity of intention. That is just a, 
an intention that inspires you to show up and to be here and to see how it is to meet life in a in an authentic and interested and balanced way. Uh, as the Buddha says, um, intention, I tell you, is karma. Through body, speech, and mind, everything is about intention. The Tibetans have a saying, everything rests on the tip of one's motivation. So I, before I go on, I just invite you for a moment to, once again, go inside and get in touch with what moved you to sign up for this retreat. And without a goal or a a plan or a timetable um, or a report card, just get in touch with an intention that really speaks to you, an attitude that you can bring to this time that you're here that will really support you. There's no wrong answer. Perhaps for some it's, oh, to learn to love more. Perhaps for others it's, it might be, oh, to learn to hold my suffering with compassion. For others it might be, oh, to learn about training the mind. Whatever it is, Get in touch with your intention. That's the right one for you. And stay connected to that. As you go through these days, keep coming back to what really has moved you to be here in this room right now. There's something really beautiful and powerful that you couldn't ignore. So I hope that you keep that intention in, in mind and realize that your main task is to just have the willingness to be here as best you can. And when you see you've gone, to come on back. That's basically it, to come back with kindness. Um, along with that, intention to be here and whatever your inspiring aspiration you got in touch with, um, it helps to have a sense of um, 
spaciousness and lightness. And we'll, we'll talk about attitudes that can support you as these days go on. But I just want you to get that um, you get no extra credit for um, meeting your report card that you have in mind. Um, and that all you need to do is to keep on coming back with love. Um, and that's in itself uh, quite a practice. We'll remind you again and again. And if love is too strong a word for you, just with kindness, okay, um, that the over-efforting or straining to make something happen just gets in the way. But it does take a willingness to be here and come back because uh, the mind and the heart need to be trained. I think before, um, before I close, um, uh, something that occurs to me to do, when you come here, it feels kind of, if you're, especially if you're new to a retreat, um, or to Spirit Rock, uh, and you don't know people, it might seem like a very um, isolating kind of an experience. So what I thought what I'd uh, invite you to do, just for a few, few minutes, a few short minutes, um, we'll be going into silence um, in um, uh, this evening. But before we do... Uh, I invite you to turn to one or two people near you, say hi, so you feel like you've got some friends in the neighborhood and uh, that are supporting each other. And you might, if you want to share um, anything that, that brought you here or anything that seems relevant of um, how you ended up here, um, and you can be cheering each other on for a few of these few days, okay? So um, just the next two, three minutes or so, just turn to a few people and say hi. And you want feel like it? Yeah. Go over there. Yeah. Turn, turn right there. It could be two or three people. Good, good remember for that piece. It's a good one. Just another minute or so. What's that? Is your mic still on? It doesn't seem like it's making so much sound. Does it? Listen, I can hear it.
Okay. Okay. Start finishing up. Oh, is it on? Okay, is now is it on? Is my mic on? Yeah, I think it's on. Is my mic on? Yeah. Okay, let's come on back. What? I don't know. Aaron, is my is my mic on? It is on. Okay. Okay. Well, that was nice, huh? You're not alone here now. Yeah, and um, and just know that you're uh, you have a little support system in your neighborhood. Uh, someone is wishing you well, and uh, and they know that you're wishing them as well. So, and what we'll do, we'll do whatever we can to support your practice. We'll have instructions each morning. It'll be really um, important to come to the sittings on time, especially that uh, instructional sit after breakfast, but all of them. Um, and uh, we'll have uh, meetings, group meetings, where you can check in about practice uh, every other day. Tomorrow, half of you will be seen, and the next day, the other half and again, we'll do that uh, the following two days. Eve is going to have some individual uh, sign-ups if you feel like checking in. And we'll have a talk each evening. Um, so we'll do what we can. And the managers, the retreat coordinators will support you. And the cooks will definitely support you. We'll provide all the conditions for you to make friends inside with yourself so that you can see who you really are, get to know who you really are, and then that lets you share it, all of your beautiful qualities, that much more with the world. Um, I just want to end with this, this one quote that I love to point this out. This is from a great uh, Tibetan teacher named Yoshil Kempo. He says... Buddha nature, your true nature, the essence of awakened enlightenment itself is present in everyone. Its essence is forever pure and flawless. Those who recognize their true nature are enlightened. Those who ignore it or overlook it are deluded. There's no way to enlightenment other than by recognizing this true nature, this Buddha nature, and authentically identifying it within one's own stream of being. So that's what we're here to do, to discover or remember or reconnect or awaken um, who we really are beyond our 
thoughts and worries and emotions and dramas and all of those things, there's something very beautiful inside uh, that we're more and more getting in touch with, not only for ourselves, but for the benefit of all. So it'll be a pleasure to uh, take this journey with you. Okay, and now I want to um, next pass it to um, Terry, who's going to say a few words and uh, share a little bit about the movement. So, my friends, I always feel like I'm uh, coming home when I when I come to uh, this retreat uh, in the spring in the. What are we? <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Summer. Um, and I hope those of you who are new to Spirit Rock um, will feel like this is home also. So I'll, I'll say a few words about um, retreat yoga. Um, it's said that the last word that the Buddha spoke was apamada. And Stephen Batchelor translates this as care um, or carefulness in the way that we attend to things. And in retreat yoga, um, we bring this um, care, this careful attention to the sensations in the body primarily. This is our um, sort of our fundamental root of practice in uh, retreat yoga. And we cultivate the, the art of, of feeling um, the sensations in the body. And I love James's uh, recipe uh, for mindfulness. He said it, um, kind, interested, and relaxed. So we gently, um, we bring kindness, we gently attend to the flow of sensations as we combine simple shapes um, and movement and with curiosity and um, deep relaxation. So if you've looked at the schedule, you'll see that there are three sessions. And those of you who um, know me or who have um, practiced with me, know that I savor um, the early morning practice. Um, and this, um, it will be a short session, maybe 20 minutes before the, the first sitting of the day. And it's for everybody. And it will be here um, in the room. We don't need any special equipment. We'll be standing. And most of the things that we'll be doing can be done in a chair also if, if standing is not appropriate for you. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing to, to move um, in community in the early morning light. It's fresh and cool. And then we sit and the sun comes up. And um, I really highly encourage you to come and uh, practice with us tomorrow morning, every morning. <laughs> um, so the other two sessions, there's one in the afternoon, or one in the morning and one in the afternoon. 
and we'll be dividing the group tomorrow in half, and you'll be coming to one of those sessions. So you'll be doing two sessions a day. Um, and this, these sessions will be more of a floor-based, more like yoga, um, but again, simple, um, no um, strong back bends or inversions, very few standing poses, actually. Um, and my goal in life is to make this um, movement at retreats, retreat yoga, as accessible to as many people as possible. So um, in line with that, um, we'll also be doing uh, two days, days two and day four, we'll be doing some chair um, yoga, a movement, um, so that uh, hopefully you know, everyone can feel like they can participate. So in the silence of the retreat setting, um, we develop this kind of bright awareness and develop a kind, almost a kind of reverence for the experience of the body. And that's what I'm very excited to share with you. You know, I hope that, um, I think you'll find that the movement is a tremendous support um, to your, your practice. Um, it's a gift, this body. I mean, it's, it's here. It's always here. Um, so I'm, I'd like to end with uh, just a quote from my first yoga teacher, B.K.S. Iyengar. Um, I taught in that style for a while until I um, became enamored with retreat yoga and started doing that. <clears throat> That he says, it is here in your body that you realize that you are a spark of divinity. So I really look forward to practicing with all of you. And I hope you find the movement to be um, a real support for your practice. So, thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Eve. I'm really, really happy to be here with you. Um, yeah, what a blessing that we're here. Um, I'd like to um, invite us to appreciate the roots of this practice. In um, South Asian culture, rich, deep Indian culture, almost 2,600 years ago, Buddhism wasn't born in a vacuum. And it wasn't sustained in a vacuum either. It's been sustained in Asian culture for centuries and centuries. And it has been sustained through incredible generosity and effort. Uh, millions of people. And there's a relationship between generosity and gratitude. Gen gener the generosity of this lineage and that we are the recipients of it. 
And when we, when we touch into that with gratitude, we're lifted. So we can recall that we're held in this field by beautiful, bountiful cultures. The insight tradition came from um, when, the, when Buddhism moved into Burma and Thailand and Sri Lanka and some other places. And so much of our practice here is directly inherited and received from those cultures. So just savor and enjoy and feel the blessing of this gift. Thank you. After a very deep consultation, we've decided to to let you uh, shake it out a little bit. Just move your body while you're sitting, or if you need to stand, fine. But otherwise, just aerate your body a little with the bell. Do you mind pushing the bell? Or I know I'm part of a cavalcade of, of gratitude that's being expressed here for being here, but I, I just have to say that I'm, I'm almost giddy with appreciation for being able to hang out with my friends and colleagues, to be able to support you, uh, and to watch the, the miracle of what happens, the, the alchemy of just putting your mind in your body and your body in your mind and s- sustaining it over many days in a place that's safe. Um, it's, it's remarkable. And what, that, um, what that's done is it's created a, a, a kind of inexhaustible enthusiasm for uh, the practice. And that's what sustained me for all these years. And I have a feeling it's true for those who Share the treats. I've literally done hundreds of retreats and I still, it still feels fresh. And that's because what we awaken to when we practice together is ever fresh. It's in a way it's inexhaustible. It's life, uh, which really can't, um, it, life doesn't diminish. Our bodies may diminish, but life doesn't diminish. And that's what we tap into as James was saying, that Buddha nature. And that leads to my, um, my offering tonight, 
which is one of the classic rituals that, that we engage in when we begin a practice period. And people also engage in this ritual every day of their lives or um, in times when they feel like they need it. But when we begin a practice period, we consider that this is not, this is not your everyday life. We have, we are in what the Buddha would call uh, bhikkhus. We have gone forth from our conventional daily life uh, into a uh, sustained and intensive period of, of awakening. And it is, we are reminded just in the form of how we come together that this is not a, we're not going on a shopping spree we're not committing our, we're not just letting our mind run rampant, just think all day, shop till we drop, distract ourselves any way we can, which is really in some ways what the methodology that's supported and offered in our, in our daily life. We are inviting you and um, asking you to check out the, the possibility that there is within each of us a place that we can really trust, that we can really rest, that we can really rely on, not just within us, but also a few other supports. The first support, and sometimes what I'm offering is what's called the three refuges. And the first refuge in the traditional sense is I go to the Buddha for refuge. So we can rely on, it's very external in a way, we can rely on the example of this historical person who 2,600 years ago, uh, just like us, wanted to find a place of rest, wanted to find a place of confidence and balance and well-being. Uh, and tried all kinds of different things, did a lot of practice, made a lot of mistakes, but even though there aren't any mistakes, because it led him to a, a recognition that the very reliable refuge that he had been searching for was none other than the, the natural state of his own mind, state of being awake, not to be found anywhere, any other time, any other place, but is always already exists as the natural, as our natural state. But it was so close and so subtle that, that um, he, um, that he didn't think people would get it. But then he, of course, he spent 45 years telling people, supporting people, pointing people over and over to that Buddha nature that James spoke about. So on one hand, we go to the inspiration of that historical person who struggled through things and found that freedom within himself. But it also, when we say, I go to the Buddha for refuge, we go to that place in ourself that is awake. And I like to think of it and conflate it with, I go to that place that is aware. And so how far do we have to travel to do that? This is what Suzuki Roshi, 
Zen master says, the ultimate fact is that you are aware here. Another Zen monk said, Buddha is your mind and the way goes nowhere. Don't look for anything but this. If you point your cart north when you want to go south, how will you ever arrive? So we go, our first refuge, we go to the Buddha for refuge. But what does a Buddha know? A Buddha, someone who is awake, knows the Dharma. That's our second refuge. Knows the way it is. And it, that spans from the, the, um, the nature of reality, the, the all about what leads to happiness, what leads to suffering, all about our, it, it spans the, the deepest understanding of the way things are to the simple reality of what's happening right now. We don't look for anything. That is the doorway of our practice, whatever you may be experiencing. So when I say I go to the Dharma for refuge, yes, I'm drawing inspiration from all those teachings about the nature of reality and what helps and what hurts, but I'm equally paying attention to and going to refuge, the Dharma meaning truth. What's the truth of what's happening now? Not some kind of abstract truth, but just what am I experiencing? What am I aware of? And we don't literally don't need to lift beyond that simple fact. So if you ever get lost, you wonder why you're here, that may come. You can notice that as doubt. That's just the truth of doubt or, or curiosity. But really, no matter what happens, especially if you get confused about what you're doing, just ask yourself, is there awareness here? Am I aware? And what am I aware of? So in that way, you return very naturally to the Buddha and the Dharma. But you can also listen very carefully to the teachings and experiment with them. And when we go to the Dharma for refuge, we don't go to a body of teachings, the Dharma as teachings. We don't go to them as a belief system. We go to them as a, a body of teachings that we are encouraged to check out, to see for ourselves. There's a classic line. It's the one that really inspired me, you know, because I came to the Dharma kind of skeptical but the, then this one teaching in Pali, it says, Ehi paseko opanayeko pachatanwe ditapu winuhiti. For those who are interested to come and see for themselves. So not to believe anything. In fact, all we do is help you clear your mind of its usual preoccupation so you can actually see really freshly and then understand for yourself what's happening, how it all works. So we go to the Buddha for refuge, we go to the Dharma for refuge. Teachings, the way it is this moment. Last but not least, there's an understanding that I think has come through 2,600 years that nobody does this very well alone. We do it well alone together. And not only do we do it alone together, it is 
knowing that we are supporting, not only are we receiving support from each other, but we're offering support to each other by our presence. But this refuge means to really bathe in the support that we, that it's as though, I don't know if you've ever read the, the teaching on the uh, lessons from geese. The lessons from geese. Geese that fly together get where they're going faster. They get 83% greater lifting power. They look after each other. And there's this whole, this whole way that they are together that's very much like us practicing together. And it's another thing when, when we are in the middle of the retreat. In fact, I relied, I, maybe I've told this story before. I used to, I didn't know how to practice and I used to do long retreats with James. I watch how James practiced. He walked really slowly. I have no idea whether he was lost in thought or not, but he was walking really slowly. So I tried walking really slowly. And the slower I walked, and I'm not saying you should walk so slowly because sometimes you'll lose your balance or you'll get tense. But when I slowed down, I noticed more. And when I noticed more, I got more interested. And when I got more interested, I got a lot of energy for the practice. And it built that way. And it was from practicing with other people, being inspired, supported. So part of the beginning of a retreat is to uh, engage in this ritual of going to refuge. The last thing I'll say about, and Eve really alluded to this, part of taking refuge in the Sangha is taking refuge in what's called the Arya Sangha, the Sangha of awakening, the Sangha, the community of all the beings for thousands of years who've practiced just like you, who had, whose hearts were opened, whose minds cleared, and that out of their compassion and their inspiration, they shared the teachings. And that's how the teachings have been shared, heart to heart, mind to mind, 2,600 years. And we are part of that stream in a way. And so you can connect with that. It's a little bit more mystical, but you can connect with that sense of lineage and the, the, uh, the history. There's something about it that is, um, that's, that is relieving. Um, so have fun with that, if you wish. But in the meantime, we will uh, honor the history of people practicing like this, not a new age thing, uh, by chanting together in Pali, which is a language that's closely related to the language that the Buddha spoke. And you don't need to know it. I w will actually do it call and response, so you don't even need your sheet unless you'd like it. I'll do a very brief introduction, and together uh, we'll do each of the parts three times. Antamayan buddharatana satinayan jakaromase namotasa, your turn, namotasa bhagavato Arahato, Sama Sambutasa, Namotasa, 
Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Buddhang Saranga Chami Dhamam Saranga Chami Sangam Saranga Chami Dutiampi Buddhang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Dhamam Saranga Chami Dutiampi Sangam Saranga Chami Tatiampi Buddham Saranga Chami Tatiampi Dhamam Saranga Chami Tatiampi Sangam Saranga Chami Thanks for your practice already, for coming, giving us the opportunity to be with you. Hope you have a wonderful retreat. Uh, So, it almost seems redundant if I say, I'm so happy that you're here, but... It's like Cowie says, that's what we feel. We're so happy. There's something uplifting and joyous about starting a retreat. Because right now, the possibility of, of awakening is so real and so poignant. And so there's all this possibility that exists right here with this come see for yourself. Um, I always think of a Zen, it's a little Zen, I don't know what they are, like little Zen stories or little Zen reflection. At the beginning of a retreat, there are two monks walking together on a road. And one monk says to his companion, I really like walking by myself. And his companion says, I like walking with you too. That's sort of what, uh, how he was getting at. You know, there's a way uh, that you, we're each of us walking alone. And that's what Howie's talking about, this refuge, taking refuge. Each one of us are stepping onto the path. We're stepping into this practice, stepping into this retreat alone. 
And then for thousands of years, in all kinds of cultures, in small retreats and big, big, big retreats, we walk together. And there is a second part of the traditional ritual called the precepts. And these precepts are how we can walk together with each other uh, in a very rather intimate practice that we're doing. This uh, coming to know yourself and coming into um, an intimate relationship with each of us, our own individual selves, it takes some, um, we need some space. We need some room around us. And we need to have a sense of, uh, I have the capacity to sit here with my eyes closed um, and come into right relationship with myself. And I need to know that even though there's more than 100 people in this room, we're all good. Everything's good here. And that comes from the second part of this ritual, which is the precepts. And we take these precepts seriously. Um, We trust in these precepts and we trust in the reality that each one of us are equally holding true to these precepts. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the precepts, but there are some things in each one that I want to point out. And uh, but But to understand what the precepts are pointing to, there's something major about the precepts and not just, I mean, we could call them community agreements, but they are not community agreements. They are something else. They are unique and they are precepts. And it comes from the wording that we are going to say, this Varamini, Sikapadam Samadhi Ami, It is, I undertake the training to refrain from. That is a, it's three words, but it has this meaning of I undertake the training to refrain from. That is significant because each one of us are training to refrain from causing harm, lying, false speech, harsh speech, even to ourselves. We're undertaking the training for this. It's not an edict. It's not this, you do this. It is this uh, same kind of approach of undertaking the training, which means that we're kind of tuning our sensory, our listening to hear where we are uh, stepping outside of the training, where we're moving outside um, of these precepts and these agreements that we kind of make with each other. It's how retreats could go for all the years that we've been doing retreats, and you can get 100 people in a room. I can't imagine 100 people in a room and being supportive with each other. And yet, some of my best friends... In Dhamma, I only know them because I've been on retreats with them. I've never spoken to them any other place. We don't call each other. But as soon as I see them on a retreat, I'm like, oh, so happy. 
because that's how they, I know them. And that comes from an intimacy that happens when we do this practice alone and when we do this practice together. So let me tell you a little bit about some of the, the just maybe the implications is what I want to do about the retreat, the precepts. So this, this reframing from killing living beings, you can think of this one as careful with walking around the grounds and the space. We want to, you know, it's sort of like the ticks that are out in the forest. That's their home. That's their space. So if we go out there and we come back, we want to brush them off so that they can stay in their own environment. Because if they come in here, they may very well be harmed. And so it's this gentleness of taking care with even the tiniest of insects, uh, spiders, and there's all kinds of creepy crawlers around and little beings darting here and there. But there's having a level of respect for uh, these beings. And even though they are very, very, some ants are extremely tiny they are as important as you are in that space. And so to take care to give them the same, they, one, they have more strength than we have. Because I've seen tiny ants like dragging some kind of log somewhere. And so they, they, are, they have their own power. And it's beginning to recognize that and take it seriously. But this also means to pay attention to this judging mind that can kill living beings just with our thoughts that we have about other people and our thoughts about ourselves. Careful with that overly negative, critical, judging, limiting mind that can just show up. And just as we would take care with the ants and the, the little uh, lizards, we take care with this mind that can get very, very uh, mean and insensitive and just kill off the possibility of freedom. Um, we want to refrain from taking what's not offered. So on one hand, you can trust that whatever you leave something somewhere, it's going to pretty much be there when you come back. If it's not, somebody probably took it to the office and turned it in as lost and found. But this idea that you can um, trust that your things and your property is taken care of. But there is another aspect to this not taking what's uh, not offered. It is that on retreats, it's a minimal kind of life. We're living a kind of renounce or renunciate life. So there's a way in which we take what's offered, both in the meals, both in the rooms, both in the way the retreat is offered to us, and we take in that what's offered. And in that taking what's offered, um, some things, you know, you may have to say something to the uh, retreat coordinators because, you know, say the food is not something that you can eat. But by and large, for most of us, we just accept what is freely offered. And we're learning to accept and be with instead of um, 
this uh, pushing and demanding and making things go the way I want it to go. So no one here is living the way they would live at home. No one's living in the kind of place you'd have at home. You just have more stuff at home. So just the not having all your, um, you know, your stuff with you is in and of itself accepting uh, what is freely offered as it is. It also means that there's a there's another way to begin to think of these uh, precepts. Is that this is a, a retreat in noble silence. So in a way, if you talk, you're taking someone else's silence. That silence is just in their realm, in their space. And then some of the yogi jobs, we do it together. And there's a camaraderie that can come. But really, we want to hold the silence on behalf of everybody else there doing their job so that we don't take someone else's silence because that person may not be able to tell you that I really just want to be quiet. I don't want to engage with you. They cannot say that because it might seem harsh or cruel. And the better in keeping with the precepts, since we've all agreed to operate in this silence, we just agree to protect each other's silence by being silent. And then we know we are not moving out beyond someone's space. Um, It comes the same way uh, in this... um, the third precept, we, there are two on the third. One is no sexual activity, and the other one is abstaining from um, uh, sexual activity that causes harm. So we are abstaining from sexual activity. When we go home, we uh, abstain from sexual activity that causes harm. So here uh, on retreat, we're really refraining from having any kind of sexual activity. So what this means is that we, um, we, no one is flirting with you and you are not flirting with other people. That we're actually here in our own worlds doing our own practice. And in that, every single person here can feel safe because there's no, uh, we're not questioning how we're going to be with each other. We're just human beings in a room together, um, practicing deeply. Um, This uh, fourth one is this uh, refraining from false speech. And uh, this is also where we hold noble silence. And part of holding noble silence uh, on retreat, on these silent retreats, is the cell phone ceremony we're going to do in the morning. And so this cell phone ceremony, we do it ceremonially because we truly get how significant it is for any modern human being to give up their phone. It is, it is, it is a major renunciation to do that. But at the same time, these phones are designed to pull us in. They are designed to talk to us. And to keep us engaged and 
you know, I, I don't know, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but I just remember seeing this documentary that scared the living daylights out of me about what is put in these phones to get us to come back if we've been gone too long. That's a little scary, but that's what they do. So you think, oh, I don't have to turn my phone in. I'll just keep it in the car. I'll just keep it in, the, I'll turn it off and pack it away with my stuff. But then in the midst of the retreat, you will, it will call to you and beg you to come. Your mind will convince you that you really need to go and check in just, just, just a little. And I have seen so many practitioners' um, good efforts get completely derailed looking at one text. Because you're in the midst of something and you're, you're trying to find a way to deal with it. And in doing so, you think, okay, I'm just, just a moment. Just check one text and it can derail everything. So careful. What we want to encourage you to do is to step out in a level of faith. That step out in a level of trust that you can Turn your phone in on the ceremony and let it go four days. And you may or may not want it back, but we are not keeping them. You are going to get it back, but you may not just in four days. And what you do for yourself by turning that phone is, is to actually give yourself the capacity to be free. It is a level of freedom that we don't see the chain, but there is a chain there that is holding us hostage. And so you give yourself permission to be free. And when you take your phone back, you're going to engage with it in a different way. You still have it. You still engage with it, but you have a little bit more uh, control over how you engage with it, more choice. And then the last one here is this refraining from uh, uh, using intoxicants that cloud the mind. So we're sober here is really what it's saying. We're sober here from alcohol, from uh, drugs, the recreational drugs, the plant medicine, the um, microdosing, all of these ways that we uh, engage with substance for here in this retreat, we are creating a sober environment so that we trust that everyone here is in the mind of here and now, that we can trust where your mind is and you can trust where mine is, and there's a way that we can actually support each other. Um, and so um, um, this excludes things like uh, antidepressants and uh, drugs, medications that you're prescribed, because that is actually helping you have clarity of mind. And so the clarity of mind is what we're cultivating here. And we're using the, we're taking the substances that take away from that. And that's what we are refraining from having over the course of the retreat. So that's it. This is what we're doing. We're using these precepts 
that we each, in a moment here, we'll do a call and response with them. But we're using these precepts and saying them and making this promise both to ourselves and to each other as we walk this retreat together that you are safe here. It's like we're all putting on the safety pins when they used to be really, really important. Now they're kind of chintzy. And I have some things that I still keep the safety pin on just so people can know if anyone ever cares that they're safe with me. And that's what we're saying with each other. You're safe with me. You go ahead, close your eyes, do your practice, work your own uh, practice here, and you're safe with me. I may be sitting right next to you, but you're safe here with me. And that, that kind of safety with this many people uh, is something to behold. It's something to really um, savor because it's not that easy to find that kind of safety in the world nowadays. But we can find it here. And so that's what these precepts are doing for it. And then at the very end of this, this last line uh, that we'll say is really that in keeping with these precepts, then can it support my attainment for liberation? All right, so we will um, uh, say these in a call and response. I apologize if my Polly is not totally righteous. (laughs) All right, so. Panati pata. First one. Tipata. Veramani sika. Okay, Veramani. Veramani sikapadam. Samadhiyami. Adina Dana, where am I? Sikapatam, Samadhiyami, Abramacharya, where am I? Sikapatam, Samadhiyami. Musawada, where am I? Sikapadam, Samadhiyami, Siramiria, Majapamadatana, where am I? Sikapadam, Samadhi Ami Idame Salam Idame Salam Magapala Natsa Yeah, what is it? Magapala Nanasa Pacheo Ho to Thank you so much. 
So we're actually finished, but we want to leave in a little bit of silence. And so we'll sit here. It's a little after nine, five after nine. And so we'll sit here for just uh, maybe about 10 minutes and then we'll call it a night.
coming together like this brings goodness and generates beneficial energies of all kinds. So as we embark upon this retreat together, may whatever merit arises from whatever is beneficial, whatever is supportive, whatever is kind, may we share the benefits of that with each other. Um, and may it hold us and keep us throughout this retreat. So we just want to remind you, we're going into silence now. Uh, take care, and don't forget to bring your cell phones with you in that first instruction, the 8.30 sit tomorrow morning. All right? All right, we'll see you in the morning. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.